Hey, mom and daughter fighting listeners, we're off due to the holiday, but we wanted to bring you an episode from our friends at Slate's How To Podcast. This is the time of year where a lot of people evaluate what they want to change in the coming year. And for a lot of parents, that includes carving out more time for your interests. On this episode of How To, host Courtney Martin talks with Eve Rodsky, she's the author of Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, about how parents can evenly divide the domestic chores and find time to pursue creative passions. I'm going to hand the mic over to Courtney, and we'll see you back here on Thursday. So I go to this preschool program where I'm finally getting my older son into school, and the preschool teacher affirms that the people around me are going to become my support system. Uh, And then I looked down at my name tag, Allison, and my name tag said Zach's mom. And so I remember thinking that day, these are the people that are going to know me better than anyone's ever known me in my entire life. Well, they don't even know my fucking name. Mm -hmm. And and that's when I realized that not only would I be abandoned by my husband (laughs) and my workplace, but by society in general, by having them force me into these boxes, parent, a partner, and a professional. Welcome to How To. I'm Courtney Martin. You know, this might surprise you, but I've been thinking a lot about man caves. You know, those basements or garages or whatever where guys get to play poker and let it all hang out, far from the watchful eye of wives and daughters and such. Well, as you might be able to tell, I am skeptical of the way man caves are glorified, but I'm also sort of weirdly into them. Or more accurately, I am into subverting them. People, regardless of their gender, deserve spaces apart from their families to be in touch with what they love and who they are when they're not working or caring for someone. In other words, like, maybe moms need man caves? Or at least time and space free of societal expectation, right? Caregiving responsibilities, work stress, even if it doesn't have a giant Budweiser banner or big screen TV. Though, come to think of it, it could, to each her own, right? So when we got a question along these lines into the how-to hotline, I knew I had to meet the woman who sent it. I'm Allison. Um, I'm currently in Washington State, but kind of a new transplant to there. I'm an attorney. I have two kids and a husband and two dogs. So Allison, what can we help you with? Just give us a little sense of, you know, why you wrote in. Sure. Um, So I feel like, although I have a lot of things to do all the time, none of it is a hobby, unless my hobby is like deciding what to make for dinner um, (laughs) or doing the laundry. I don't feel like, you know, I have that space for myself and I'm not sure like what is impeding me from finding that or from trying to do something. Um, I feel like I've... I can guess. <laughs> Are He's they about like this ready big? to jump in. <laughs> I can guess what's impeding you. That's our expert, Eve Rodsky. You'll meet her in a second. But first, I wanted to know what kinds of things Allison liked to do before she had her big job, got married, and had kids. I enjoyed cooking for the fun of it. I would enjoy going to, you know, new places, restaurants, or breweries, or kind of getting out and exploring. And I mean, we still do that to a degree, but it's not as accessible. Okay. So what if we go even further back in the time machine? What did Allison enjoy before life got all grown up and shit? I played the clarinet in school and then I kind of taught myself the flute and I played the piano. 
I have always loved horses, so I took horseback riding when I was younger. But now, in the present, Allison is in a quandary. She wants to tap back into a hobby, something interesting, challenging, fun, that's all hers, you know? But life is super full. I just need help kind of figuring out what that barrier is or, like, maybe, like, the courage to, like, try to do something um, and kind of, like, stick with it also. Because we are, I mean, my husband's in the Army, so we do move, so it's not something, you know, like, I can't get too invested in one place and have a hobby that's particular to one place. I need it to kind of be mobile. Also be flexible in terms of when that happens, because most of the time it's going to be in the evening when the kids have gone to bed. All right, so on today's show, we're going to carve out the time to be creative. It's not a luxury. It's a necessity. Our expert will explain why right after this break. We're back, and now I get to introduce you to today's expert. Hi, my name is Eve Rodsky. I'm the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play, and Find Your Unicorn Space. In those books, Eve helps couples rethink how they divide labor and value each other's time, and maybe most importantly, helps them rethink all of that. So many women feel stuck in an endless loop of performing their dominant roles, parent, partner, professional. So many of us relate to this, right? And we feel like we don't have the time to cultivate our identity outside of those three Ps. It's not just in our heads. Even in 2023, in heterosexual relationships in particular, the research shows that women shoulder two-thirds or more of the unpaid domestic work and childcare for their homes and families. But it's not just equality that we lose in these unequal relationships. It's also, and this is kind of harder to name, so you'll hear us grappling with it in this episode, it's like meaning, fun, a sense of freedom to explore and reinvent and create on our own terms. Now, Eve has a lot to say on this. I like to call it unicorn space, you know, because it's the space to be magical, but it doesn't fucking exist like a unicorn unless you reclaim it, allowing you to be consistently interested in your own life. The time is not there for women. Like, wake up at 3 a.m., <laughs> you know, like, sacrifice your health and your sleep to get in your creative time. And that really is not the answer. The answer is a world in which it's easier to have a community and to live and work. And so part of the fair play movement is in, in inviting men into that invisible work of caregiving with ownership so that you can get some of your mental load back. And I love, Eve, part of what it feels like you're saying is this is first and foremost a structural issue, right? This is like a outside of ourselves job. It also can be an inside job, like the piece of us that, you know, as we're rushing around the house and our husband sits down to like do the thing he loves to do and we're like tidying the kitchen or whatever. Like there are these micro moments that for me often represent, okay, this is my internalized shit that I'm really frustrated that he's getting his needs met when I'm just as capable in this moment of sitting on the couch and reading a book if that's what, you know, I don't have a three-year-old. <laughs> I have older children, Allison. There is a moment when your children will let you sit on the couch and read a book. Um, there's a promise. There <laughs> they're just on top of you right now. So <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. They're still on top of you, but it's fine. You know, just want to point out that sort of outside inside dynamic of this topic. Is that dynamic at play in your house? And how does that feel? It definitely is. And I will 
And I know this is not what anyone is saying, and I will give a disclaimer. My husband's great. He's very helpful, like fantastic. Offers to, you know, give me the space that I want. It's just figuring out what to do with it, I think is my biggest concern. But like, I mean, he will, I feel like my first, you know, thought is like, how are we going to entertain the kids this weekend? What are we going to do? And his, again, big football fan. So like it's football season. So college football, pro football. So he wants to watch, you know, his respective teams on the weekends. And so some of our weekends will get shaped by kind of what time those are on. Again, he's great. (laughs) Um, But, but that is, you know, an overriding factor that I feel like is almost, almost a given that that's going to happen between September and December. And Allison, can I pause you to say one thing about the he's great piece? <laughs> Eve and I are also married to great men. Right. No. I, and that's why I figured that's not. <laughs> they are, I wasn't, they are great. Yeah. We'll already put that you there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> okay. As Allison and I fall over one another trying to assert that our partners aren't bad people, there's something Eve wants to make sure you hear. It is okay to talk about this. By criticizing how we divide labor and time in our relationships, we are not automatically criticizing the person we share our lives with. We want to be able to talk about these assumptions, again, about how we use our time. But I think because it's so shameful to talk about your partner, people are always going to say to you, how how dare you criticize your partner? You're so lucky sort of to have this help. It's so much better than the last generation. So I think we could just put that aside. Well, and I, Eve, I was going to say men, in the same way we've internalized some of these ideas about what we should be prioritizing, men have internalized ideas about what kinds of freedoms and prioritization they get to have. So it's like no one's inherently malicious. It's just like we're all trying to figure this thing out and move each generation forward a little bit on getting to be whole people, right? Correct. correct. Okay, so you've got the football game going. And sometimes you're in the middle of that wondering like, okay, I want to like embrace his love of football. And I also like want to make sure the kids are enriched and entertained and like they're having a great life. But I sort of fade into the background on all of that. Does that feel right? Yeah. I don't want to say it's like a waste of time, but in a way it almost feels like I could be doing something else during that time. I will say, since since I talked to Rosemary at the beginning, I have started volunteering with a, a horse therapy program. Oh, cool. So on Sunday mornings, Saturday or Sundays, depending on, he, like, he watches the kids. Like, he's very, like, get out of here. Like, I got this. So, like, that is something I've started doing in the past oh. month or so, which does get me out of the house, which is great. <laughs> and so the listeners know Rosemary is our amazing producer. So that's what Allison is referencing. Do you feel like just saying it out loud to someone in the way that you did prompted you to sign up? About the time I wrote in, I like think I really started to try to find something here. So it probably did kind of flip something in my brain to be like, I need the space um, for me to do something that I genuinely enjoy. I mean, it's like leading horses around or like mucking out the barn, which <laughs> to my husband, he's like, why do you want to shovel poop? I'm like, it's... it's <laughs> I just like being around horses makes me happy. So I don't, I don't really care. Um, but it's been, I mean, it's been fantastic. It's, it's a nice place for me to be able to go, um, and just have like a couple hours where I'm still around people, but I'm definitely doing it for myself. 
So Allison, I want to ask you about that because a lot of people I think have gotten sidetracked by the happiness discussion, like they have to be happy all the time. But really the true definition of mental health is having the appropriate emotion at the appropriate time and the ability and strength to weather it. So the ability and strength to weather it, I will argue, is this this extra time doing things that bring you back to you, which is how you describe the horse therapy program. So I think what I'd like for listeners to also do is understand what values that you pull when you're doing that. So I thought if you would be willing to be on the spot and help us, I have a list of values if we get stuck, but also Courtney can jump in too. But I'd love for you to give us five values and we'll write them down and explore them. Oh gosh, values. Contentment. That's a good value. I want to be content. Yeah. Um, Fulfillment. Connection. Connection, I love that. Like, I want to say calming, but I don't... Yes, that's a value. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Peace. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Calm. Inner, yeah. inner calm. I'll say inner um, calm is absolutely <laughs> a value. Um, Courtney, do you have another value that listening to Allison's story that you think comes up for her? This is real left field. I was imagining one of my best friends from childhood, Jenny Clark when she was 10, was obsessed with Chinquatig, some island where a million horses Chinkatee. live. I don't yeah. know if you guys ever... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I grew up in Maryland, and it's right there. So that's why, yeah. There you go. Okay, so, so I cool. remember her, her wall had a poster with all those horses on it. And I think she did value a lot of things you were saying, but I think she also had this sort of wild freedom fantasy about horses. Like there was something kind of exciting about like riding a horse so that's one option like you can just hop on one and just like yeah ride off into the sunset yeah (laughs) that's a guess and my other one is more straightforward which is just healing it sounds like you strike me as someone with a healing energy and the structure of this program is oriented around healing and it's like you could have chosen other horse related things to do so I'm like maybe there's something about you that is drawn to healing I think either of those would be applicable so if you want to go for six, okay. we could do six. All right, we'll do freedom. <laughs> I'm also going to say a seventh, which I think is this idea of um, presence. Yeah, like a like a focused. A focus, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'd like for you to ask yourself each week: Did I get a chance to feel true connection this week? Not just caretaking connection, again, with, you know, little ones, but like real connection with other humans um, on my level. Did I get a chance to feel inner calm this week? Did I get a chance to feel any freedom this week? Did I get a chance to feel any healing this week for myself? Did I get a chance to focus? That at least once a week, you're focusing on one of those values. Here's our first takeaway. Living a life aligned with your values is how you find individual fulfillment, but you first need to know what the heck those values are. When you pick a new creative pursuit, make sure you're not just checking the box, but living into one of your values. If I was struck by that list thinking all of those, from my experience of having toddlers, and I will say I freaking love a toddler, like the, the discovery of the world and, you know, there's just so much sweetness and intimacy. I don't, but, I don't, but yes, we can be, we can, we can, dis- we can disagree. I, yes. I do love a toddler. We could debate, <laughs> but those values are not what mm-hmm. you naturally get to live out when you're the mother of a toddler. Do you find Eve that when you do this exercise with people, they often list things that are like structurally very challenging at the moment that they are in their life? 
Absolutely. At that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why it becomes very triggering, right? This idea that, wait a second, these things that I actually really value, or at least I can back into them because the activity I've chosen to fight for has these values attached to it, I don't get to practice in my daily life. And I think that's where this idea of a boundary becomes so difficult for women, right? Because as a society, this gets back to the structural. We've chosen to value men's time as if it's diamonds, right? As if it's finite. And men have internalized that. And we treat women's time as if it's sand, if it's infinite, that we can find the time. Um, That's often when we don't get that focus or presence or freedom or healing or inner calm because these messages of conditioning, like in the time it takes me to tell him, her, they, I need that space. I should just do it myself. And I'll do it after I'm done with cleaning, focusing, taking care of the toddlers, and then you're too tired. Or you say to yourself, I'm a better multitasker. They'll never see that they need to bring, we need to bring fancy hats for fancy hat day. And so I might as well go to Party City right now instead of do my horse therapy. Or you say to yourself, my my partner's job is more important or my job is more flexible. We start to breach our boundaries in these really deep and depressing ways because society has conditioned us to. So that's why I like the values because I do think Anchoring yourself in an activity is important. And we again, we're going to fight for that activity. But anchoring yourself in your values to say, I'm doing this because I deserve a chance to feel connection this week. I deserve a chance to feel focus this week and presence and freedom and healing. And so I'm going to hold my boundary. Um, that's often easier when we have a society that pushes back against women's time in such a triggering and, and sort of depressing way. I love this point, so I just want to underscore it. Time is finite for everybody, not just men, or the primary breadwinner, or the partner who is better at grabbing time in the Google Calendar, however you figure your shit out. We all deserve time for exploration and delight on our own. If you find yourself or your partner treating your time as less valuable, name it and unlearn it. What was the conversation like with your husband? Did you say, like, is this something you guys have been talking about for a while that you wanted to create this space? And so when you brought it up, you know, it wasn't the hardest conversation. How did that play out? Yeah, it really wasn't a challenge. We, like, he was like, you need time for you. I remember when I volunteered in Pennsylvania, he was like, I have, like, never seen you happier than you are when you come home right now. So, like, he he understands and he appreciates, like, how important that is for me. I think it's more of myself and what Eve said really resonated. It's like, nope, we're you're going to forget to do that or you're not going to do that. And just me anticipating all these other needs that need to get done, um, that it's very easy for me to be like, I'll just do it next week. So that that's the reason that getting out of the house and going to a finite activity at a specified time is very helpful for me. It's genuinely wonderful that Allison already has a partner that gets it. On some level, he just understands and he's carving out this time for her. But what if you're not there yet? Finding time actually requires three critical permissions. First, ask for what you want. You and your partner need to have an honest conversation about your needs. Create a system where you have consistent time slots. Second, be unavailable. That sounds so weird to me as a working mom, but it's true. Be unavailable. This is keeping your boundaries. If your boundaries tend to crumble, bring in an accountability partner. 
Studies show that if you have someone who you're accountable to, you're 66% more likely to keep up with it. And finally, and this might be a whopper, I know it can be for me, let go of your internal guilt. I'm not trying to be flippant, this is a lifetime's work for some of us, but as such, we might as well get started. I want to ask you a little bit about the consistency in your relationship to guilt and shame. Let's just do a little exercise. Like if the kid's school was calling you right now, Allison, and we told you not to pick up your phone, um, <laughs> you know, what's going on? Do you have a stress response in your body? If your child, you know, sort of expressed discomfort um, at, say, your boundary, you know, like, mom, please don't go this week or, you know, or there was a really important birthday party. How likely would you be to change your behavior to prioritize that other person's behavior? I'm just, I'll ask it that way. That's a catch-22 for me because yes. obviously I want to fulfill whatever emotional needs my my kid has, but at the same time, I don't want my kids to not do that for themselves. So I want to... I love that answer. I, I want to model for them that it is important for them to do what they feel like they need to do to be fulfilled. So I don't, I don't want to be the reason that they feel that they don't have that space. But of course, I also want to make sure that they're getting what they need. So... Oh, well, I think that's so important what you just said, because again, we're, we're giving you tools or we're all here. We're all practicing tools um, to keep our boundaries. And so also, besides your values, I think that's another beautiful way to hold that boundary. Yeah, that gave me chills because I feel like that is like generational work, right? So many of us had mothers who theoretically wanted to have equal marriages and equal parenting arrangements and it did not play out. And so as kids, we're reading the room more than what's being said. And we're like, okay, so that means I need to make sure I get the right party hats for the thing at school, et cetera. Um, so I'm just so moved by that, Allison, because I do think that's like our generation's work is like, how do we actually internalize these things in a way that our kids watch us doing it instead of us just saying the right things at the dinner table or whatever. All right, we're going to take a quick break to ponder that generational work. But when we come back, we're going to talk about how to keep your boundaries inside the home, because that is a whole different beast. See you in a second. We're back with Eve Rodsky, author of the books Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, and our listener, Allison. Before the break, Allison was telling us how she started carving out her creative space with the horse therapy program. However, she needs something that's a little more flexible. As Eve was talking about, you know, kind of reversing the lens and looking at it from the values backwards to, the, to finding a hobby, I think that's where my challenge is because it's 9 p.m. and you that's when you have time. And what I'll do is I'll start reading and like five pages in, like I'm out, I'm asleep. So <laughs> um, I think the challenge for me is especially maybe trying to channel those values backwards to a time and space that's not elsewhere, that's not out of the house, that it's, it's finding that for myself here when I do have, you know, the hour or two 
to do something. I don't know, Eve. <laughs> I'm I'm a disaster inside the yes, house. Yes, I hate inside the house. Like, in, exactly. and I work from home, so that's I'm the worst version of myself inside my home. Exactly. I yes. mean, first, Allison, have you experimented inside the house at all with? you know, what you called hobbies and what Eve might encourage us to call unicorn space? Um, I feel like I haven't. Um, I will blame it on moving in the past six months. But to be honest, like, also not, you know, in the time before we moved. And I think this is another challenge that I think I kind of wrote about in my initial email I feel like if I'm going to spend time doing something, I have to be good at it. And maybe that's just my like perfectionist nature. So like (laughs) if I were to like pick up one of my instruments again, like granted, I haven't practiced in like 15 years. Like it's not like I'm going to be good at it. And I know that rationally in my brain, but I'm like, well, then why am I spending time doing it? But on the flip side, I tell my, you know, three-year-old like, well, you're never going to be good if you don't practice. But like, (laughs) but to me, it feels like maybe that's not a worthwhile use of my time if I'm not going to be good at it. So, (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that, oh my God, why I love that so much is because it feels like you fed sort of the science to us. We see that women who don't have what, again, we call this unicorn space creative time. Um, And we can also talk about it in terms of the three things you need to have a unicorn space, why it's not just self-care or a friend over. It's um, curiosity, connection, and completion. Okay, let's repeat this because I think it's really important. There are three main components to this kind of space. You need a combo of all three, but one can really drive you. Are you ready for them again? All right, number one, curiosity. Number two, connection. And number three, completion. The Capricorn in me loves that third one. I actually thought when we started to research why people couldn't sort of find the space, right? The initial question for why Allison's with us today. You know, how do you carve out time for yourself above just maybe a walk around the block? was because people forgot what it, what was they loved. I really thought that that would be the thesis I would be answering. But what was so interesting for women, especially high-performing women or women who had a college degree and up, was of the three Cs that we need to have this space actually help us weather that mental health that we talked about earlier. Ironically, it wasn't the curiosity. It was the completion. And it's exactly what you said. What's the point of doing something if it's not perfect? It was exactly that sentiment. So I almost feel like you set us up because if you're someone, a listener out there, and you may also be a parent or a partner or professional, and you um, have a college degree, you also may be in Allison's boat where this idea was, I have this little dream, Eve, to start a podcast, but it's not going to get on the Apple like 10 best podcast list. Okay, but you you had to think about what you want your podcast to be about. Say it's, you know, eclectic dance. You had to reach out to an eclectic dancer to interview. You had to record it, edit it, and upload it somewhere. That's a curiosity connection and completion cycle that helps us with long-term dopamine that unfortunately edibles and, and binge watching doesn't. And so that cycle over and over again is what's going to get us there. But if you're going to stop because you don't think you're perfect, and that's what completion means, then we're never going to get anywhere. So, so that's what I actually love about instruments. 
could you, again, because that's something where even if you're interrupted, you know, your kids could be around when you're doing it. What would it look like to sort of pick up a ukulele or a flute again? I wonder, you know, for you, if that could be another interesting showcase for this curiosity connection and completion cycle that we're talking about if or or would you feel that barrier because you forgot how to read music would that feel too daunting and you want to move on to something else I wonder what what how are you feeling about either or I don't feel like it would be daunting um and my my particular challenge is the guitar because I've tried to teach myself I feel like it like numerous times over the years and I've never gotten like past a point. And so it's, I guess it's a little discouraging maybe. Well, I guess my question to you is if exactly like you said, you didn't get past that point, would you feel like it wasn't worth it because your completion point of just learning the chords A, C, and E was actually a worthless task because that completion point didn't feel farther, farthest along for you? Or is there a way to sort of reframe to say, we can change your completion point to say maybe for the guitar, it's literally just learning a song that has the A and the G chord or something like that. I think it's, I think it's moving kind of the, the barometer of what we consider completion. I think that is a, is a way for me to better reframe it, you know, making smaller milestones or smaller things to be considered complete as opposed to being completely, you know, amazing at at something. Hmm. I love that. Well, it also made me think, couldn't Allison say, honey, can you like take the kids out to dinner Thursday nights? Yes. And then you're in your house by yourself playing the flute. Actually, last weekend, my husband took our three-year-old up to see the Nutcracker Ballet. And so our one-year-old, I hired the babysitter to come watch him so I could go to my horse uh, therapy yes. last weekend. So, I mean, I am I am very like... Allison, you're <laughs> awesome. We love you. Um, you're so, 2.0. But, but I, know, I mean, I know yeah. that not everyone has that flexibility. You know, I, yes. not, I know that that's not an option. But I do think you're 2.0. You are 2.0 for sure. And in a way that I think is important, right? Because I actually think you're a lot farther along um, than so many people that we've interviewed. I mean, I appreciate the 2.0. I feel like that's a compliment. Um, But it's definitely (laughs) taken, you know, three plus years to kind of, or longer, to kind of get to that point where I was willing to do this. You know, I (laughs) we moved to Georgia a month later, I had my daughter. Six months later, my husband went on rotation to Korea, and it was COVID. So, like, so I just wanted to kind of let people know, like, it's not, like, a quick process. Like, it is, it is taking a long time and a lot of kind of draining out of me to be able to, like, mm-hmm. recognize that, like, I really do need this sort of space. Um, so I just wanted to kind of say that. I really appreciate Allison's candor here. It's such a good reminder that carving out time for yourself isn't easy. It can require tough conversations between partners, as discussed. It can require sort of an internal fortitude that some of us don't find totally natural. And most foundational of all, it requires time and resources. So up until this point, we've covered reviving old passions, but how the heck do you find something new that will nourish your soul? The most important thing I will say um, 
when you're starting is to ask yourself of those three C's, what is most important to you? So I'll ask you that question because again, I'd love for listeners to be able to do that. So if you think to, to again, we're talking about long-term mental health here. Um, but what we want you to get to is a place where you have a dopamine explosion in your head that says to you, I can't believe I just did that. That's mm-hmm. where we're trying to get to because ultimately that type of practice of I can't believe I just did that is a very exciting practice. So when you can back into, that's what we want for you. That's our gift, right? Eventually it's going to be something in one of these areas where you're like, I can't fucking believe I, I just did that. Not the, you know, after you binge watch, where you're like, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> um, so it's a different intonation. I can't believe I just did that. And so part of that is, again, the cycle of those three things where you need curiosity, connection, and completion. So I will ask you, what is most interesting to you right now? My, my rational lawyer brain goes to completion, but that's not, honestly, that's not like a, <laughs> I don't feel like that's a soul, like <laughs> affirming thing. That's more of like my brain. Um, I think the curiosity. I love it. I mean, the connection is always, is nice, but I think it's more for me an internal thing that I would like to develop um, as opposed to the other two. So I love that. So if that's where, if you want to start, then understand that this idea of being a lifelong learner, being curious about things is one of the most important things. Like how to wonder is something that we actually can't do when we have um, directed thinking. So, So I will say diffuse thinking time, we now know, is the best time to get curious. So your prescription again, for this, how to start, we still want you to continue on with your other unicorn spaces because they bring in the inner calm, the freedom, the healing, the presence and the focus, which you deserve. So that's not going away. But again, to get greedy and to get more curiosity in your life. For you, we want you to start getting into fused thinking environments. So whether that's an hour long shower where you triple lock your door or um, maybe more environmentally friendly than using all that water would be like an hour where you need that prescription or diffuse thinking time every week. And means getting off our cell phones, right? Because that's a big <laughs> yes, piece of yes, the enemy yes. against that kind of thinking is all of us on our phones all the time. Um, I have one, I often talk about, and I still like this framing, but I talk about doing small, weird projects. Um, this it. is like all my friends know this about me, that I love to do small, weird projects. But I had a friend recently, and, and this is how you can tell I have really good friends, who said to me, you know, I've been thinking about that phrase you always use. Why is it small, weird projects? Like, it feels like you're sort of, like, reducing the value and no, importance of what it is. No, I want to tell you the opposite. You're, I do not okay. agree. Okay, tell First me of why. all, small is important for goal setting. So I love that. I think... All of us, it could always level up, Courtney, but I love your idea of small. Um, I think weird is a value. And I think it's it's a wonderful, beautiful value to not, you know, sort of be in line with all the things that women need to be. Obviously, I love the word project because it has a discrete ending, which is a curiosity, connection, and completion cycle. So I actually think the only thing I would say about a small, weird project is that it wouldn't have the desired effect that we're looking for here, these long-term mental health if you, if you keep it to yourself. Mm, that's so the sharing with the world component, unfortunately, is actually really important. And it's why, you know, that was the hardest thing for me because writing 
I wanted to write for myself. I wanted to create fair play for myself. There's all these things I wanted to do for myself, but unfortunately that doesn't do it. So again, the sharing with the world component um, is a big piece of the fear. It's how we all level up. I also like that because the contagion effect of like, if I'm weird in public or playful or like all the things we're talking about, then other women are like, well, Courtney, you know, posted that weird thing that didn't seem all that great. Like that's why do I have to be such a perfectionist about everything? And it's completion. Each other permission. Exactly. It shows you that completion that it's worthy. It gets back to what Allison, you said earlier, is it actually worth it? I would love for all the time that we spend on ourselves for us to inherently believe it's worth it. Even if it ends up is that, you know, as Courtney says, a small, weird project, um, it was worth it because it meant something to you and you held your boundary. That practice is worth it. I also hear, Allison, I don't know if this resonates for you, but that you're you're looking in terms of starting the new thing to surprise yourself. Right. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I get sick of myself. Like, I'm like, please surprise me. You know, so it's like I like to do things that I'm like, I never thought I'd be a this person. And so I'm kind of fantasizing for you some unicorn space that you're like, you know, I never in a million years thought that 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 I would do this. But like, here I am. And that's just like part of the like verve of being alive is surprising yourself, right? Something that has always like fascinated me is pottery because I always thought Mm. it would be super fun to I've never sat at a pottery wheel. Like I just think that would be very satisfying in a way to do something tactile. Unfortunately, and unfortunately, the beauty is that. So we 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 need you to go find a place to to take a class to touch clay, to or or you know what, even back up, go to the library, ask them to find different types of pottery books because there's so many different types, and then you can decide which one you know sounds interesting to you. But even carrying around a book around pottery is going to make people be like, what? Who is this person? This amazing, interesting person. I also hate to bring it back to reality TV, but my friend just told me the nicest reality show on television is about pottery. Oh, wow. It's called, I don't, I don't know what it's called. We have to look it up, but it's like something about a bunch of people who compete against each other to make amazing stuff. <laughs> so you can so, go hedonic well-being of yeah. binge watching, but actually it has the dopamine response of unicorn space. Yeah. So we love it. Maybe you start with yeah, that show. It's on max. It's on max. Um, I cannot thank the two of you enough. I just wish we could like hang out now and ride horses into some field and (laughs) and have a drink. You two are so wonderful. Allison, thank you so much for writing to us. Um, Even though you're advanced, we're still very grateful that maybe we helped you a little bit. (laughs) And Eve, it's always such a pleasure to spend any kind of time with you. So thank you for doing this. Thank you, Courtney, for fighting for the structural barriers um, that prevent us from having this space. And Allison, uh, thank you for your vulnerability and sharing. It's been wonderful getting to know you over this past hour. Yeah, thank you both so much. I really enjoyed this. It was it was very helpful and we'll see, you know, what I can do with it. All right. Thanks to Allison for reaching out to us and sparking this fantastic conversation. And thanks to Eve for always keeping it so real and being so skilled at offering practical frames for transforming our lives. And by the way, if you're looking for that pottery show we talked about, it's called The Great Pottery Throwdown. Give it a watch. Tell us what you think. I'm definitely going to. Now, do you have a horse, unicorn, or otherwise equine problem we can solve? 
send us a note at howto at slate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. We might have you on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and a review and tell a friend. That helps us help more people. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Joel Meyer is our senior editor. The show is produced by Rosemary Belson with Kevin Bendis. Merritt Jacob is senior technical director. Charles Duhigg created the show. Carvel Wallace is my co-host. I'm Courtney Martin. Thank you for listening. Listening.